We're in a series of sermons on the mission of, the, of God, the church that God is building, the church God builds, and one of the features of that is hospitality. And here's a story of divine hospitality. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened, and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, We have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous, he is righteous, a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the, the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I'm only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. 
Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead, all the prophets testify about him, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely, no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They, they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. This is the word of the Lord. Dear friends of God, God is building a church marked by hospitality. The welcome sign is, is hanging up. The early church, the early church broke bread. Okay, this is not me, okay? The thinger is in, the battery's are new. I'm pointing in the right direction. I'm stuck. Okay, next one. They broke bread in their, the, the early church broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They opened their homes with each other, to each other. They practiced hospitality. They made space for fellow believers in their spaces to share their lives together. There's something about a shared meal that draws you together and strengthens bonds. Something about just being around the same table, being in the same space, being together. You feel loved, you feel safe, you feel accepted at a table. Next one. But who would these early Christians open their houses for? With whom will they eat? 
and share their lives? What were the bounds of their hospitality? How far would they go? How, who, who, was, who was somebody they would invite? After all, these were Jerusalem Christians. These were Jewish Christians. And, and there were boundaries on, on their behavior, on, on their associations. But the Holy Spirit was on a mission. The Holy Spirit was building a church. The Holy Spirit was building a church that included all. And he was flinging the doors wide open. He was making space for non-Jewish people to join his people. The Spirit opened the door for the Gentiles to come. And this was something extraordinary. This was something that, that was new. That was life-changing. That was amazing and filled with wonder. And Peter, the Jewish believer clearly wasn't ready for it. He had preached to Jewish people. He still held to the practice of not entering the house of a Gentile because he had been taught by his religion that the Gentiles did not practice purity laws. And because they didn't practice purity laws, they were unclean. And if you associated with them, you became unclean. And that was not the way a Jewish person needed to be. Gentiles had, had practices such as eating impure foods, coming in contact with impure substances, worshiping idols, engaging in defiling acts. And Peter had learned that if he came into contact with a Gentile, he would become impure. And so he wouldn't be able to worship at the temple. And he wouldn't be able to practice Sabbath practices. And he would even not be able to enter his house lest he contaminate all the people in his home. He'd have to go through the many rituals to become pure, including ceremonial washing. Better to stay away from them. Better, I mean, what a complicated life to get in contact, in contact with Gentiles. Certainly don't enter their homes, which would, I mean, you might as well jump into a cesspool of immorality and impurity. Even among the God-fearing Gentiles, the most kind-hearted, well-respected Gentiles. And this was the centurion. He was well-respected. He was God-fearing. The lovely ones, you can only come so close to them. William Barclay, next one, he points out, it was common for a Jewish man to begin the day with a prayer, thanking God that he was not a slave, a Gentile, or a woman. A basic part of the Jewish religion in the days of the New Testament was an oath that promised that one would never help a Gentile under any circumstances, such as giving directions if they were asked. But it even went as far as refusing to help a Gentile woman at the time of her greatest need when she was giving birth, because the result would only be to bring another Gentile into the world. Next one. And into this hostile context, God was building a church of hospitality that was hospitable to these folk. God was making space for all people to be before him. So the relationship between Jew and Gentile was changing radically. They had to make peace with each other. But not even Peter, the lead disciple, the rock upon which Christ was building his church, was thinking this way or was ready for it. 
It took the Holy Spirit three times to reveal it to him while he took a Sunday nap. And during that nap, he received a dream that repeated itself three times. Three times God told him in his dream to kill and eat the unclean animals. And three times Peter said, nope, not going to do it. I ain't going there. When for thousands of years your people had stayed away from these animals, when your mom and dad tell you that they are bad for you, when your whole community has a taboo on these animals, not even a dream is going to tell you that that's okay. How does one change one's mind? But the Holy Spirit was persistent. Three times he spoke to Peter in a dream and kept on saying the same thing. Don't call unclean what I have cleansed. Do not call unclean what I have cleansed. Do not call unclean what I call cleansed. Don't stay away from what I I say you can approach. Three times in a way that's unmistakable. In a way that Peter could totally understand. He got it. God spoke to him. And in the end... He still wondered, oh, maybe there's something to this. I mean, what if God spoke to you three times in a, in a dream, unmistakable? Like, you'd say, God, I'm here, send me. Peter's going, huh, I wonder what this means. You know, like, I, I don't understand. But his world was getting rocked. Everything he knew was changing. Everything he believed about his world And how he was to be in it was being deconstructed. And as much as this is a passage of the conversion of Cornelius and his family, hearing the gospel and getting baptized, wonderful. It's also the conversion, the story of a conversion of Peter. Peter had had many conversions, starting off when he left his nets and followed Jesus. And and then at at the the resurrection, you know, he, he ran into the tomb wondered what this was about, and then he believed. He, he became uh, a believer in, in Christ, the risen Lord from the dead. And now this conversion took him to a place of hospitality. It was a hard conversion. How do you open your spiritual life up to people you've been taught to avoid, to belittle, to hate? But thankfully, Jesus was on the move by the power of his Holy Spirit on a mission to build his church known for hospitality. The Holy Spirit is so awesome in this passage. The Holy Spirit is is just so powerful and and, and awesome, orchestrating dreams. And and just when one is, is coming to follow up on a dream, another one is having a dream, and then, you know, this the way the Spirit is working to, to set things up is amazing. Just as Peter was wondering, the messengers from Cornelius knocked on the door. And Peter shows hospitality by having them stay the night. He's already starting to believe and obey and understand. Next one. As Andrew Arterbury says, as long as Jesus' disciples are imprisoned by the categories of clean and unclean people, they will never be able to enter into equitable hospitality relationships that allow for the spread of the gospel. God's first step in reaching out to the Gentiles consists of overturning the prejudices of God's messengers. Next one. Think about Peter. At the threshold 
of Cornelius' door. Imagine that first step. Kind of like Sam Gamgee when he stopped and he said, I've never been this far before. And then he takes a step and then he moves on, on his mission. Peter had never done this before. It was so counterintuitive to him, to his upbringing. He risked relationships with longtime friends the moment he crossed over that welcome mat. And when you read further in the book of Acts, Peter did have to answer for what he did, and he had to fight some battles about this with the church leaders. But he did it anyway. Did it feel liberating to him? Did it resonate with him that, hey, I think Jesus wanted me to do this. This is something that Jesus was about too. I saw him do some things like this. You know, did, did it resonate with what he heard from Jesus? Here I go into a place I've never been. But Jesus is calling me here and his gospel reaches farther than I can imagine. His gospel opens space for new relationships to grow and thrive. Where there is faith in Jesus, I will make space in my life for that person. That's the principle that, that put his foot in front of the other as he got, went over that threshold. You know, we, we wonder today, we wonder, well, what's the fuss about? I mean, come on, we're, all of us, most, I mean, I can imagine most of us are Gentiles. Like, we are not from Jewish background. How, can, how hard can it be, can it be for us to see that the gospel is for everyone who calls on the name of Jesus? It seems so normal. It's, it's what gathered us here. All are welcome in the family of God. And yet, racism, spiritual pride, ethnic pride, and fear all conspire to make it hard for us as well. We still have biases and habits of mind to let go of in order for us to see that no matter who you are, when you believe in Jesus and seek to follow his servant path and do good, you are part of the people of God. Christian hospitality may still be hard for us. We have this nasty way of creating barriers. We have this tendency to, to create situations of us and them. And, you know, and... When we sanctify us and we demonize them. And so we create distinctions in our minds between progressives and conservatives and public school and homeschool and Christian school and Roman Catholic and Protestant and vaxxers and anti-vaxxers and rich and poor and black, brown and white. And we still expect people to clean up their acts first and then come to Christ in repentance. We still expect some kind of purity as a precondition for inclusion. Never mind that Christ is our purity and has cleansed us completely by his blood. As Rick Cathers says, next one, some people still struggle with racial prejudice. Others have a problem with those in the homosexual community. Some of us don't want to spend time with people who are of a different political party than we are. What does this principle mean that Peter shares? If God doesn't want us to call any person common or unclean, how does that affect us? These are good questions to ask. Does that mean that we tolerate or even endorse behavior that's un unbiblical? 
I think this is where we learn how to love the sinner but hate the sin. But be careful that your hate for the sin doesn't cross a line where you never spend time with sinners. Next. Yeah, it's complicated. It really is. It's, it's hard for us to, to do. It's uncomfortable. How do we accept someone who still believes but has rough edges? How do we accept someone into the life of the church when their life isn't buttoned up and tidy? After all, Cornelius remained a Gentile. And he was a despicable Gentile at that. A Roman centurion. His role was an, as an occupier of the Holy Land. His livelihood was making sure people didn't rise up against the Roman powers that ruled the land. He commanded a hundred soldiers that were committed to the same thing. And he was from the Imperial Guard, so he was even higher. He was in charge of 60 different centurions who had each had a hundred soldiers that were given the role of being occupiers. And and plus, he was in Caesarea. The very name Caesar could send people like Peter into fits. Why couldn't God have sent Peter to a nice Gentile who traded on the market or, or, or built Roman roads? But no, I've got to go to a centurion, a trained warrior living in Caesar's local capital city. Why a Roman officer in the army that is occupying our land? I have to smile when I read the first words that Peter speaks to Cornelius next. You are well aware that it's against our law for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. How's that for a winsome way? A first impression. Yeah, I really shouldn't be here and I don't really want to be here, but God told me you're not a dirty Gentile. How to gain friends and influence people next one but there it was there are real distinctions the gospel doesn't remove every feature of your identity and it doesn't make us nice neat packages that are huggable and cute yet if anyone is in Christ there is a new creation the old has gone the new has come and that's true of Peter and of Cornelius and later on in Ephesians, the Apostle Paul would remind the Gentile Christians like Cornelius that they were at one time ex separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Next. And Peter saw that firsthand when he spoke to Cornelius and the large group of relatives and, and the friends that he invited. He was preaching the gospel, and, and then the Bible says this. Next. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on though all who heard the message. Next. All who heard the message started speaking in tongues and praising God. This is referred to as the Gentile Pentecost because the parallels between Acts 2 and, and the Jewish Pentecost are remarkable. Peter preaching, spirit descending, Peter, people uttering praises in different languages. And Peter says, next one, they have received the Holy Spirit. 
just as we have. Next. The Jewish believers with Peter were at a loss for words. They were so astonished. Things were changing indeed. And Peter ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. These were brothers and sisters in the Lord. They were now us. The dividing wall of hostility had been destroyed by the power of Jesus. And through the ministry of Christian hospitality, God is forging permanent interdependent bonds among his followers and those who have been previously seen as strangers. And the one thing that holds us together is faith. Cornelius and his family were believers in Jesus. They weren't just nice people that, hey, they're nice, we should invite them, or we should embrace them. They were kind and generous. No, they were believers. They believed in God. They believed in Jesus. They lived according to the pattern of faithfulness. They were looking for more insight into who Jesus is and how they might follow him. The next one. And then Peter began to speak. I now realize that how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Next one. Peter sees that the Holy Spirit is opening up the church to anyone from anywhere as long as they fear God and do what is right. As long as they believe in Jesus, live a grateful, thankful life of service according to the pattern of Jesus. And, and here's the upshot of all of this. As Brad Mills char charges us, next one, what difference would it make in your current lifestyle if an angel of the Lord <clears throat> told you the barriers you have built up between you and others was removed, would you keep those walls in place? Would you ignore the clear will of God? Of course you wouldn't. Well, guess what? God has recorded this vision so that we might have a perpetual reminder that God has removed those walls of hostility. Next. So the question is for us today, who's Cornelius? Who's Cornelius in your life today? Who is God calling you to share your life over a meal? Someone you would never imagine you could do that with. Someone who calls on the name of Jesus and needs your word of encouragement. Join the Holy Spirit in that mission to build a hospitable church. Amen. Please join with me in prayer. God, <clears throat> we are aliens and sojourners in this world, but you invited us to be your guests. You lavishly offer us your hospitality and lovingly welcome us into your family. You invite us to share in the abundance of your kingdom. God, you have shown us that providing hospitality to strangers opens a doorway into the kingdom of God. Remind us that when we offer hospitality to others, we are receiving Christ into our midst and so living the law of love. We open our hearts to embrace the stranger, the friend, the rich, the poor, the fellow believer. We open our lives to offer a generous heart toward all. In Jesus' name, amen.